0: I'm Danielle Chiu Castillo.
1: And I'm Megan McGill. Welcome to Talking Culture.
0: Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is produced on the traditional territory of the Gehaga on the land known as Chuchage. We recognize the Gehaga as the rightful stewards of this land.
1: All right. Hey, Danielle, how are you?
0: I'm doing okay. How are you?
1: Okay as well. I think it's uh, the February answer to the how are you question. Everyone's feeling a little worn out by winter and the school year.
0: The warmth of the holidays is slowly dissipating.
1: Yeah, the... uh, the high of the of the good news January has dissipated, <laughs> and we're here
0: <laughs> for yet another exciting uh, episode of In the News.
1: So I guess we should just jump into it, because I think we're both here with the same topic today. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the um, so-called Freedom Convoy 2022 that's occupying Ottawa and has sparked protests around Canada and now, I guess, around the world, so it We're diving right back in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess I can give like a quick overview for people who might not have heard about this. It started as a protest against vaccine mandates for uh, cross-border truckers from U.S. to Canada, but has kind of morphed into a more generalized anti-COVID restrictions, anti-vaccine protest of truckers and various others in Canada's capital of Ottawa. They've been there for two weeks now, I think, two full weeks. They've built structures and barricaded streets with trucks that haven't been removed yet. The Ottawa police have been pretty lax on these protesters in comparison to other groups that have protested before, which we can we can talk about a bit later. Um, but they're still there. They've been honking horns basically 24 hours a day. There's been numerous, like thousands of reports of, you know, discriminatory and hate-filled speech and rhetoric, Nazi symbology, um, Confederate flags, um, things like that. So despite what a lot of, I think, people who are in support of this, like kind of regular Canadians I guess who are opposed to vaccine mandates speaking about this being based in love and this beautiful movement there's been a lot of of hate and I don't know <laughs> I'm sorry I feel like pretty upset by this I uh, I don't know why don't you chime in Danielle? <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think it was a few days ago also in Montreal you can also hear this incredibly loud honking for a little bit. And it's that kind of reminder that this is a widespread issue. We read about this going on in Ottawa and in British Columbia, but, you know, it's taking over many other provinces, right? We cannot be certain necessarily that this was for the Freedom Convoy, There's a good chance that it it is related and that is a form of voicing support for this movement, uh, even here, even if it's not as organized as Mm -hmm. in the case of Ottawa. I'm also struck by the hate that has been expressed through this, which makes this issue even harder to talk about because it definitely combines many points of view under one let's say, overarching issue, which is the idea that the measures of the government against coronavirus have been too extreme. Mm -hmm. But under that umbrella, you have a lot of people who, who wouldn't necessarily align with the Nazi symbology and the desecrating of public monuments. There are people there who are just exhausted by the two years of pandemic restrictions which I feel like we all feel in some sense, but that makes it a lot harder to talk about this one because a lot of it also is a lot of hate and in thinking about it, how do we separate these two, and how do we also take it to account that they're still under the same overall umbrella
1: right? Yeah, I guess like the thing that I find difficult is that like I agree with you, like there are definitely people who've kind of because this has swelled beyond like the original issue that it was meant to address and like, honestly from from my perspective and i've been following this pretty closely it's no longer about the cross-border measures for truckers and given that like i think they said that 85 percent of truckers are vaccinated like it's not really about that anymore and it's more about like covid restrictions more generally but i guess like the the people who are there who are saying things like yeah there was you know a nazi flag but that's not what this is about that was one person like they're also not mm-hmm. condemning that person you know even if that's the case they're not they're not pushing that person to the street and yelling at them they're not harassing that person in the way that they're harassing someone who's wearing a mask say or a local soup kitchen because they wouldn't feed mm-hmm. them so i guess for me it's like They're yelling about freedoms when they're being kind of allowed to just do all of these things. And they're not, Mm -hmm. they're not disavowing Mm -hmm. the hate speech or the hate symbols or, Mm -hmm. you know, a a white supremacist affiliated organizer, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know?
0: Yeah, no, I agree completely in as much as also to bring back your earlier point. It seems like the police have been quite lax about it. It's not until yesterday that uh, Justin Trudeau said that while they will protect the right to have people's voices heard, they don't have the right to blockade the economy, democracy, people's daily lives, which still is not a strong condemnation of all the other actions that have been taking place. I guess the point I was trying to make, more than finding a justification, I think that what I was struggling to do is find a way in which we still hear mm-hmm. the underneath sort of issue that is that there are people who are actually quite tired of these measures while at the same time strongly condemning all these other actions mm-hmm. that use that as a justification to exist in some sense
1: well, yeah, you hear the c- critiques of the policing of this from like indigenous leaders and like other other racialized folks, and they brought up kind of the comparisons to when uh in solidarity with wet people our indigenous activists were blockading the railways, and we heard all of these politicians say that they that they can't hold up our economy, that this mm-hmm. is unacceptable, that they're holding Canada hostage. But, when we're faced with similar things, like in alberta they they've been blockading the border crossing. Um, mm-hmm. We're not getting that strong of rhetoric from leadership. I mean, these are the same the people who are protesting are the same people that that were yelling and screaming about <laughs> First Nations people protesting. You know it mm-hmm. the double standard and the the like white privilege here just seems like so. so obvious um mm-hmm. but it's difficult to try and call those things out because these people are the people who are there uh, protesting are not obviously not seeing it that way right and they're not they're not necessarily i'm not gonna say that all of them but having read a lot of this and and hearing the kinds of things that that they're saying um they're not really ready to To have a conversation about this right like they're just we're here we're here until all mandates are lifted which is also ironic given that none of our mandates are federally (laughs) um, (laughs) enforced in canada it's provincial mandates but that's a whole different issue i think you
0: definitely call on one of the most jarring aspects which is exactly the double standard that you know when we look at it in the light of incidents that have happened close to home, like the Oka crisis, where there was this this planned golf course that was on indigenous land that that was considered sacred, then people were criticized, right, because they were against the economy, like they were against the state who was trying to improve the economy, and and by blocking the bridge, the Mercier Bridge, they were doing you know exactly effectively, what what these people are saying. So there's definitely a double standard there.
1: <laughs> yeah, this uh, is... I mean, even conservative politicians have been out there, like, shaking hands and talking to people. Like, I respect that people have a right to protest and, you know, I think that our politicians should listen to all of their constituents, but I, I don't think that... If someone is waving a Confederate flag in Canada, that they're here for for freedom, like, <laughs> you know, and like what freedom you have the freedom to come and occupy the capital of Canada, and no one's stopping you. So what? In what way are are you not free? No one's forcing you to get a mm-hmm, vaccine. Exactly. How are these people
0: not free? Yeah, and it's a freedom that oversteps its boundaries into. Uh a lot of other people's rights how do we then manage these kinds of, of movements because what's even more worrying I think also is that not only is this happening in Canada but all of a sudden now it's happening in New Zealand mm-hmm. and the UK people in the United States are also you know some people see freedom and they think it's a calling to do something similar
1: yeah, I mean it, it is difficult. I mean, I don't I don't condone the, you know, sending the RCMP in to, to raid Wet'suwet'en camp and I don't want them to send in the RCMP here to to beat up protesters, you know. I I don't agree with that in either case. I'm not saying that it's an easy situation to deal with and I think because of how people kind of got locked in in Ottawa, other cities have been able to see that, like Toronto, say. And, and manage the protest a little bit better. I was reading this morning that, like, in Toronto, they didn't allow the big trucks into, like, a certain area. Like, it was only foot protest at a certain point so that they were able to kind of keep a better management on it while allowing people to protest. And and that's great, but I just... I don't know. You're right. It's not It's not an easy thing to deal with, and I don't know... I'm not sure what they're going to do, but doing nothing isn't acceptable either.
0: (laughs) No, definitely. And maybe to bring up a good note, I was happy to see on Facebook how some people that I know there were starting to organize counter-protests and how and they organized them. Sadly, they had to be aware that there was the threat of violence. So people who are posting these links to create groups for counter-protesting actually had to write that fair warning these people have said they could use violence so if you can come prepared or if you can be aware that's sad but also gives you a bit of hope because people are also on the other side are also making their voices heard which is also an important step towards managing this but like I said it's just such a complicated situation, too. Now that the RCMP is being deployed, it's even more volatile in some sense. Well, I guess we have to see what they do, now.
1: Yeah. The kind of argument from the Ottawa police from the beginning has been that there's a threat of violence or aggression, and so that's why they're not wanting to escalate this, which, like, in some sense, I do agree with. I I don't want to see them, you know... Uh fighting in the street in front of parliament but on the other hand it just makes me think about the this kind of acceptability of state violence against certain bodies Uh and where it's acceptable and that it's not acceptable here to them and what that says about Canada as a as a state a settler state you know there's a lot to think about here yeah (laughs) there's a lot (laughs) I guess, like, the other point I wanted to chat a little bit about was kind of the media side of this and the idea that the organizers or the leaders of this protest have been unwilling to speak to traditional media, like in Canada here, like, say, the CBC or other media outlets like that um, in favor of right wing you know, media outlets, extremist outlets, and, like, this kind of rhetoric of distrust of media that is surrounding this whole thing. I don't know. Do you have thoughts on that?
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's a worrying move because I bet that information is being shared through channels that promote this sort of one-sided perspective. So, you know how, I mean... It's probably a bit of a generalization. I don't think everyone gets their news from Facebook. But, you know, your feed ends up just reinforcing the beliefs that you already have. So that in a way, I think something similar might be happening here where by refusing also to speak to other media. They're enforcing this sort of trend where only specific groups or media outlets are transmitting what their point of view is and it helps to reinforce it within those circles. Perhaps more warningly, not only within those circles, but, you know, there are perhaps people who are curious, who are at the margins and who are not necessarily radicalized, but who might stumble upon this information and because you can only get this information within certain circles, they might, you know, end up also participating just in these circles of communication.
1: Yeah, like I was saying to you before we started recording, like I found it really difficult to even find like what they were asking for because in all of these kind of articles that I've been reading, they've told the government or the city like what they're here for, but you can't really find any details on that because they're not speaking to traditional media outlets, you know, like... They want an end to all the restrictions, but that's kind of, like, the only detail we can get. And, like, that's a a direct choice that's being made here by the organizers.
0: We'll have to see in the next, in the news, if how things have developed. And maybe we should bring it up again just as a quick combo.
1: Yeah, I'm curious to see where it goes or where we are in, in a month.
0: Well, I think that's all the time we have for today, and that's it for this week. This episode was produced by me, Daniel Chu Castillo, music by Justin Kober, cover art by Sophia Millian. You can find a link to the sources cited in this episode in our show notes.
1: Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and come talk culture with us on Twitter, at TalkCulturePod, or Instagram, at TalkCulturePodcast and check out our website talkingculture.ca to pitch an idea or to hear more from the McGill-Anthro community.